CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag leadership. Today's topic is how to manage closure as a leader. And our guests for today's show are Keith Zakini, who's the global CIO of Parson Brinkerhoff. How are you, Keith? How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. So uh, things are going well. Business is doing good. Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, it, it's busy time of year. Uh, lots of internal projects going on, but uh, good, exciting stuff. Great. And we have Robert Kaplan, who's the Martin Marshall Professor of Management and Business Administration and Senior Associate Dean for External Relations with Harvard. Good morning, uh, Rob. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good to be here. Uh, thank you, uh, and pleasure to have you as well. Now, uh, the two, the topic that we have chosen today is the third and the final in a series of three leadership topics we are doing, focusing on beginnings, transitions, and closures. So be sure to visit CIOTalkRadio.com to hear the other two parts to this conversation. But today, the focus is going to be on closure. Every leader faces challenge as popular or long-running programs finally come to a close and the organizations then go through a period of change. So let's address those. And with that, uh, uh, as a background, uh, Keith, the questions would be if you were to quickly inventory the typical issues or challenges that may come up when we are trying to close a program. And are those all of those factors going to be causing stress or uh, there are certain that we are easily able to cope up with? Well, I think one of the, the bigger stressors is, is uh, bigger change, uh, one that I've often seen wreak havoc in transitions. Uh, I've been involved in several large transformation efforts that made perfect sense, were perfectly on track, had a great business case, but then a merger or top-level management shakeup occurs and people start to call into question all sorts of fundamentals. So I think it's vital that you, you have the business case not only established, but maintained throughout the program. So you keep coming back to why something is being done, constantly reassess, recommunicate the value that's expected so that when a uh, larger change might uh, threaten to overtake uh, you know, the project you're working on, uh, you, you stay on track. Now, with that said, you mentioned about transition, and while, of course, there's definitely known set of issues and challenges that we all face, when something is winding down, or perhaps you said, okay, I'm at the last mile, do you think there are some specific uh, challenges and or issues that we need to address as we are closing a program? I, I think keeping that finish line in sight, uh, you know, allowing things to stretch on or, or to carry carry on, uh, you know, really creates the opportunity for for uh, people getting uh, losing their focus. So I think just pushing ahead, and hitting that that final finish line. Uh, so Rob, when you look at these scenarios, and I'm sure there is a Quite a few research, uh, you know, articles may have been written and other effort has been put in in terms of how leaders go about managing situations, whether it's a beginning a transition and or a closure. So since the context today is closure, what do you think is something which is to be highlighted here that closure is a different animal? It has to be treated differently. Well, I'd say I'd say a few things. Um, 
when when people go through this, it starts with what's the vision for the for the enterprise? How do we add value? What are our distinctive competencies? Everything that a leader does needs to be in the context of is it does it lead to adding value or building competencies? Closure and pruning things is is a part of that. You try new things, they don't work. You have existing product lines, you need to phase them down. But leaders are closure. Uh, if you if you don't constantly communicate how you add value and what are your competencies, and you're not constantly looking at what new things should you be doing, what should you be pruning, then these closures can become very traumatic, i.e., what happens is things go on for longer than they should. People are surprised. Uh, it, they appear abrupt. And so... Uh, you go. You have all the micro issues you got to go through in a closure. How you deal with the people? How you communicate? How do you reassign people? How do you deal with all the tactical issues? But but it's it, but how those go is going to be directly influenced by stepping a step back. What's the culture of the company? And are you constantly have everybody focused on things that add value? Things that need to get closed are not a surprise if everyone's clear on that we, how we add value and what our competencies are, because when things aren't working, it's pretty obvious to everybody. Keith, when we look at uh, anything which is hindsight 2020, we can sound like the most intelligent set of people. But when you start an initiative or you're in transition, do you really think organizations and leaders and the staff are actually thinking about closure at that time, or they're just juggling and struggling with what all is going on at, at the beginning end or in the transition? I think they are um, aware that every project is going to come to a close. So, you know, I think it's uh, um, part of the problem is that these projects and trans transitions, transformations are, are rarely what you might call easy. Um, so I, I think we have a requirement to simplify things to make sure that people understand that this is a process that we're going to get through, uh, that it does have an end state, uh, an end line. Um, but you know the, the programs are usually complex. With you know everybody has competing priorities, uh, projects with tight dependencies, multiple critical milestones that are spread across uh, months or even years. Uh, I, I once worked for a guy who liked to say, "There's no problem that we cannot make bigger." Uh, but uh, I think our staff can easily get overwhelmed with uh, with these complexities. So it's our job to keep them focused on what's right ahead, uh, with awareness of what's around the corner. Uh, but to, to make sure everybody knows at the at the outset that you know we plan to bring this uh, project to a close and this is what success looks like at the end. And you know, let me just comment on that. This is why when you do projects at the very start, you lay out a timetable or you lay out a game plan and you lay out phases. And as Keith mentioned, you lay out milestones. So uh, I would argue when you get started, you already start to envision early stage, middle stage, and then later stage leading to its winding down and closure. And I, and I think uh, while you may not know precisely when those are going to occur, you can lay out the criteria you're going to use to judge each of them. And I think good leaders anticipate all those stages and lay out a plan and expectations at the beginning so that you know people going in know this is going to have phases and ultimately that will lead to an end. So, Rob, what you just mentioned definitely applies to a project, and perhaps the way the rest of the world defines projects is something which has got a limited scope, a start and an end date, yeah. and, and the specifications defined. Now, bring something which is not as 
predictable or definable, which is like a bigger program. And, and Keith, in the beginning, mentioned transformation. So well, do you think you can really bring the same parameters that you apply on a project no, to a so program? Let's, let's segment things out to your point. So there's an individual project, which everybody agrees is, uh, is got a timetable. Then the part that the parts that are tougher is you have a let's say you have a this is you have a product line or you have an effort that becomes commoditized or superseded by disruptive innovation, you know external events take their course, uh, competition competitors take an action, and this is why I started with on those. That's why at the meta level. It's very critical to talk about what is our organization about. Again, how do we add value to a customer? How, does the, how do each of the departments add value? What competences do, do, we, do we need to be great at? And, and when, you, when you have that as the prism through everything you look at, when you have a product or an effort that is getting commoditized or is becoming superfluous or irrelevant, frankly, the people who are working on it are the first people who know it. Uh, but this requires leadership. This is where leadership comes in to be constantly articulating and reminding people how we add value. And the first people that may raise a warning bell if this works right are people actually working in this area who realize there's a problem. You know, we're getting eroded. Uh, uh, a competitive action now has made us commoditized. And what what often on a product line or a more per, a long-term effort will do, there might be actions if you catch it early enough that you could take to help um, add more value, change the offering, change the activity so that it doesn't get commoditized. But, you, but that's why I said at the start, if you don't constantly aren't focused on that and how to add value, then by the time you catch it, it's too late, and then you've got to make a very traumatic decision that's going to uh, disrupt a lot of people's lives. Now, with that said, Keith, uh with a bigger program, what kind of expectations are to be set by you for the staff and or by you for the management? And secondly, what type of things that you reflect on in order for you to stay focused? Because, of course, you're the Pied Piper who's going to bring everybody along. And like you, there are other people who might be running other projects. What's your advice for them? Well, I think it's the same theme as what we're on. Uh, you know, we need to start with a solid business case. We need to make sure everybody understands why we're doing what we're doing, why this makes sense. Uh, is, is it ROI or is it it's some other strategic change that's needed? Uh, so I, I think having that uh, that master plan laid out with uh, the clear end, end state goals, uh, well understood, well established, well communicated, is absolutely critical to the success. Uh, uh, otherwise, people are, are more apt to get tangented with uh, you know, maybe the latest, greatest uh, technology or the, the flavor of the month out there. So you know, just keep, keep reminding people, why are we doing this? What's the value that we expected to, to derive here? So, nope. and, and can I do, can I comment? And so why do it, this all sounds very straightforward, right? That we're <laughs> talking about. So why don't people do it? And it's and, and this is why um, why things sometimes uh, get derailed is leaders talk in boilerplate. You, in other words, everybody's nodding, but no one really understands what they're saying. That happens occasionally, and that's why when you do what Keith just talked about. You need to talk in language that's understandable, and, if, and you need to have a culture in your place that if the people on the team or in the unit don't understand what you're talking about, you call time out and say, I, I apologize. I don't understand what you're talking about. I understand why this adds value. I don't understand why we're doing this. And so if you're a leader that does not 
take questions, doesn't ask questions, doesn't ask for mis- for people to flag misunderstandings or there's a culture a little bit in some companies of a little bit of fear where I don't want to look stupid. What happens is things can get rolling that really should have been debated and critiqued much more intensively early on or at various stages. And this is where company culture and leadership is very, very important. So, uh, Keith, if what what just uh, was mentioned by Rob, if we are looking at this as a scenario and we say that we want to uh, keep telling the people, keep communicating, what degree of specificity that you think you need to use in order for people to really get it? Because they could say, oh, wow, they, here, here goes Keith again on a soapbox and or uh, telling things which is 30,000 feet uh, view. But what does it mean to me? How does it a- apply to my specific role? Well, I think that message changes depending on uh, at what level you're talking in the organization. You know, I've been involved, in fact, we have several projects going right now that have uh, financial drivers. So being able to you know, simply state, here's the, the financial sense, here's the ROI, uh, here's, here's the, the net benefit that we expect to achieve from, from delivering on this project. But when you're talking to somebody who you know, maybe is on the ground, uh, you know, working eight hours a day staring at a screen, they're not so interested in that. They're interested in how does this change my job? What, what does this mean to me? Uh, does, does, is what I do on a day-to-day basis going to be different uh, as a result of this change? So sometimes it's about efficiency. Sometimes it's about uh, you know, simplifying the, 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 uh, the, the internal process. Uh, maybe it's a re-engineering of a process. So I think it's, it's a different message depending on uh, what level you're talking in your organization. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, Rob, when we come back, let's look at the reduction in terms of what resources you have available because you're closing it down. And then also at the same time, people have changed. So imagine you having to work with fewer and not as aware individuals, even though what you communicated in the beginning, you continue to communicate, but something could be lost in translation as it was conveyed to them you know, during during this period. So how do you towards the closure maintain the same relevance of your messages and so that all people on the same team fewer uh, people maintain the same understanding of what needs to be delivered so you actually close with that said please stay tuned we'll be right back take a look around is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> probably not Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. 
If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, Rob, things change, and it is a business and or a technology project where every technology project essentially is a business project. And throughout the process, you may have people changing, people leaving, new people joining. How do you maintain the relevance and consistency of expectations and messaging so that towards the end, you got fewer people? For the most part, fewer people, but they have to be the most aware, most enthused about completing this project. Well, uh, I mean, there, there's uh, there's three things I always like to, as a business leader, and then the, as somebody who works with business leaders now as a professor, uh, what I talk about is three things. One is uh, clearly everybody on the team ideally has a has a good sense of what what the purpose of the project is, why we're doing it, meaning how is it supposed to add value, what competencies, what things do we need to do extremely well to, do, to, to, uh, to be outstanding, number one. Number two, you've got to pick three or four priorities, uh, and those might vary by people on the team, but everybody on the team ought to know what the top two or three or four things we, we, tasks we must do well or I must do well to contribute to this effort. Um, and then the third thing you're always doing as a leader is what's going well and what's not going well. And, and you have an open discussion about that. And what ways is this working and which ways is it not working? And you have some process involved where you're constantly updating. The team is updating each other with, and the leadership is talking with the team about here's what's going well, here's what's not going well, and let's make a few course adjustments to get back in alignment. And, and I think uh, the, the, the leaner the team, the smaller the team, the more people are coming in and going out, the more critical that is because you want everybody on the same page. And that, that's, uh, that's why these things sometimes get a little bit uh, astray, go, go, get derailed or astray or culture deteriorates because there's confusion if you don't do those things. I agree. I agree. And the importance of agility is is obvious because you know we've got multiple projects spun up at any given point. So you know being able to pull the right resources into the right project at the right time is absolutely critical. But ideally, you know the key evangelists remain and will continue carrying the message uh, for for a particular project. Um, but in the communication plan, it's it's also important that you consider to to plan for a ramp down uh, and message this from the beginning. You know, let let folks see. Uh, the, the, the natural wind down of a project is a good thing, uh, and bringing the, the project to a close should be just a normal part of the project life cycle. Uh, so, making sure that everybody understands at the beginning that you know this will come to to an end, and this is what success looks like. Uh, but uh, I think you know, having those key evangelists uh, uh, remain throughout the, the project to make sure that the, the messaging is consistent. Now, Keith, would you focus on tying loose ends towards the closure or rather focus and rather delegate that and instead focus on making sure the whosoever fewer set of people who are left there are working in their top gear to get this thing done to your satisfaction? I prefer the latter. I, I prefer to keep people uh, focused to the end, uh, making sure that it's getting pushed across the finish line rather than uh, left it to, to hang on for too long. 
And what do you think happens which makes you uh, even focus on it harder? What kind of things that you see, a blowback that you see, okay, it's coming to an end, I'm losing steam, and or people are saying, I do not know what's going to happen to me, so the fear kicks in. What, what all things actually happen which makes it a little difficult, or that's the reason why you even do it? Yeah, sure. Some, sometimes, yeah, particularly when we're using uh, contractors, sometimes those con- contractors like to uh, you know, extend the life of a project. Uh, it's the old saying of the... Uh, you know, time expands to, to fill the work available. So, you know, need to make sure that, you know, there are, uh, hard milestones set, uh, and, and whether you, you end up using some sort of, uh, you know, characteristic, uh, maybe a project bonus or some, uh, reward that, you know, if this is a successful completion or a successful milestone met, then, you know, here's the next project that we'd like to, to use you on, and here's the next opportunity. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's just management one-to-one, really, keeping people engaged, uh, and, and making sure they're delivering on on the tasks uh, in hand. Rob, based on the research that may be conducted, what's the mindset of people who are involved? So, yes, the leader has to do their job to keep them where they are, but just to get into the heads of those people as the project is coming to a closure, what all are they thinking? Well, uh, there, there's two or three things. I think a lot of the work we've done has shown that even in, in well-managed situations, people want to understand the strategy. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And as often as a leader communicates it, I think when you do uh, surveys of people working in companies and on teams, they would like to hear it even more. So they want real over-communication as to what we're doing, why we're doing it, and as much visibility as possible, number one. Number two, they obviously are going to start thinking at a certain point about what they do next, and a good, a well-managed company and a well-managed uh, le- uh, team, uh, particularly if these are your employees, not contract workers, you're thinking two or three steps ahead with them of what they're going to do next. Because you, if, if you're going to be a company that effectively does projects or, or does initiatives, you don't want people to think that you forget them or you don't think through the second and third steps of what they're going to be doing next. And that ensures that you get better at this. You'll get much better at this if you have that type of uh, management style. Keith, do you think realistically we leave those people alone till the time they complete their project, go for a two-week vacation, and then start a new initiative? I have, I've not seen that happen. So many times people will start getting involved and or will be invited for the next initiative that's kick, you know that's going to be kick-started. Yeah, you have to be uh, uh, very aware of that gravitational pull. Um, you know, the, the new thing, the, the new shiny toy uh, is always more exciting, and, and it's uh, sometimes too tempting for somebody who's getting, you know, uh, uh, segued into a new opportunity to, uh, to to start to get away from the you know the, the boring work of bringing a project to close. So I think we need to be very uh, aware and careful to not allow that gravitational pull to to leave uh, you know the, the old boring project to, to abandon uh, and have people chasing the uh, you know the, the hot new toy every time. No, so when we, of course, you know, that's, that's the reality on the ground. What are some of the strategies that you recommend where people will do their job? I mean, you cannot push people too hard because they will unnecessarily be, will be giving that last project that they're finishing up as a thumbs down. But at the same time, you want to get your job done. So you want to go, going to become a taskmaster or you'll still become, remain the people person and just going to gently nudge them to get it done. Well, some of it I mentioned earlier. I, I, personally, I like to use uh, project bonuses. Um, you know, have some incentive for for getting to that finish line. Uh, but I think some of the things that Rob mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, 
making sure that people understand uh, you know what's around the corner. You know, if you finish this piece, then this is what follows. Uh, being being very transparent with them and letting them know that you know this is what we're expecting from you, and if you succeed with this, here's the next thing that's going to be coming your way. Listen, if you leave it to people to think it's their job to think through their second and third steps, and and that no one above is thinking about what they're going to do next, you're going to have a real problem. What you what I always say, you want people to focus on doing a superb job at the task at hand. And you want to, I believe you want a culture, and I got this advice very early in my career myself, you want a culture where people believe the best way to ensure that you can do attractive things next is to do a superb job at the job you're doing now. And the only way you can do that is people have to have a belief that justice prevails in this organization, that people above are thinking about me my strengths and weaknesses, what I'm interested in, and what I might do next. Because if you don't, it's very hard to keep people focused. Do you think, Rob, there could be situations, and I'm sure there are, where a few, not exactly bad apples, but people, because of whatever their agendas or reasons are, could unintentionally or intentionally start working on sabotaging the closure? How do you find the signs for those, and how do you manage those? Well, if there's confusion uh, at the top as to why we're doing the project, and in particular, how is my contribution going to be evaluated? If they, if they feel like no one is really paying that close attention and it's not that clear, and also, third, there's uncertainty about what in the heck I'm going to do next, yeah, you could get a lot of very dysfunctional behavior, and, and and it may not even be malicious. It's just people don't know what they're supposed to be doing, and they don't know what's valued, and uh, and they're in fear. These are human beings. There's there's fear, so you can have but the, I, I, the, malicious behavior, intentional malicious behavior is one thing. You can deal with that and deal with people, and you know realize you don't want them in your organization. I'm more worried about uh, unintentional dysfunctional behavior that's not intended to be malicious but because you're poorly managed it goes on that that that's a self that's a self-inflicted wound Keith, you being at the top i'm sure you cannot do everything out there to keep your eye and, and finger on everything that may be going on in a in a program what what do you think you would need in order for yourself to be in the know at all times well, I think first thing I need when I'm setting up a project, I look for somebody that has credibility with the business. I need somebody out there on the front line carrying this message, getting people on side, getting the business folks on side. And to the earlier point, making sure that there isn't sabotage or the folks trying to undermine. I think the behind the front line, I look for people with deep experience. Um, I need to make sure that I distinguish skills from experience. You know, somebody might have all the right management, technical, or organizational skills, but I need to make sure that the transition team leads are experienced who did not, you know, don't get nervous when, when things go bump in the night, uh, because we know they will. It's important that you're not surprised by the unexpected and that you know how to respond. Uh, act like you've been there before and that helps, uh, you know, give that confidence to the business that, you know, we're running a project with the right balance of skills. And do you think there are quantifiable measures that you can put in everything around a program which would allow you to say this is going down or, or is it still uh, at par with what your expectations are? 
I've not found any magic formula for uh, quantifiable measures. Uh, you know, so much of, you know, particularly when you're talking about credibility, are you, are you winning the, the hearts and minds of the business? Uh, you know, I, I don't see how that can be easily quantified. So, uh, Rob, do you think in your world, when you look at any of these programs and you try to say these are four things you can do, to besides the obvious thing that you mentioned that we have to have the communication etc are there any things that you can do to predictably bring a project to or a program to a good closure yeah and and uh i'm i'm laughing a little bit yeah because the things i mentioned do sound obvious don't they but i can tell you very frequently people don't do the obvious things and then the question is why don't they so when you talk to people working on something, have you articulated a clear vision? How you add value? What are the competencies? Sounds obvious. You can't imagine how what percentage of the time people just don't do that. What are your top three priorities? And are people on the team aware? Could they pass a quiz on what the vision for the project is, why we're doing it, i.e., and what the top three priorities are? And you'd be surprised what percentage of the time people cannot do that. Are you talking to people then about phases of the project? Is there a timetable and process laid out? And, and where also you start talking to the individuals about what they're going to do next. And in all of these things, uh, so the obvious things often don't get done. So I'd say don't discount because they sound obvious that they're happening. They're often, my experience is, the obvious things are often, that's what makes great leaders and managers versus mediocre or poor ones. They do the obvious things that everybody says, ah, that's obvious, I don't even need to worry about that. And then the last thing I always say is, as a leader, are you asking questions and are you empowering your people to raise issues and ask questions also? And that last thing goes a long way. Are people afraid to speak up? And sometimes... Uh, a leader needs to encourage people to speak up. You need to have dialogue. You need to debate. You need to be. And if it's a if it's a technology project, for example, for a business, are you interviewing the business and inquiring and how's it going and what are your needs as opposed to pushing a product? And so all these things are are absolutely critical and they sound obvious, but they don't happen. Now, if you were to compare, and we'll just take a quick break right now. When we come back, Keith, so if you were to compare this to a space shuttle launch and we say this system go and that system go, to what degree can we leave it to, uh, you know, the top-level leadership qualitative criteria because there would be some sort of a measure that would be put in place by management and the, by the business sponsors who actually funded these projects uh, to say whether it was a go or a no-go or basically it is a, a success or not a success. So let's explore what is the best way to create such measures so that when we have a checklist towards the end of it, we are able to predictably say, yes, it is coming to a successful end. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. 
The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Keith, as uh mentioned how about comparing a program with a space shuttle launch a lot of preparation up front towards the closure when it launches successfully everybody claps but there's a lot of checklist items that you say this system go and that system go all right what how do you how do you relate that to an environment which we have to create here where business and it things are happening and not everything you can have a specific item checklist that's right i'm i'm not sure i'm qualified to compare it against a space shuttle launch because i can assure you i've never been involved in in such a critical project but uh it would seem that that type of project is more binary where i can give a couple examples uh, of recent projects um you know, it started about this time last year we were in the final push of a a major erp uh upgrade and you know the the team was working flat out uh you know late nights over the weekend uh, to to hit that that end milestone of go live with our with our erp upgrade and of course we wanted to do that before uh year end so that we we didn't have to uh you know carry carry accounts uh, across a, a year end and just make it cleaner what the staff weren't aware of is at the same time we were planning a uh what we refer to as a lift and shift we were taking a, the majority of our um, corporate function support staff out of manhattan and moving them to a, a captive onshore uh, facility in lower cost geography um, but that also needed to be uh, taking place by year year end for various reasons so while the the ERP implementation team was flagging that hey I'm not sure we're ready I'm not sure this is uh you know ready for go live we could use more time on training or we could use more time for testing of uh, of this function or, or that capability we just kept pushing we kept driving and you know the the uh, it, it may have seemed uh uh, absurd to the folks on the ERP upgrade that we were pushing ahead to to finish, because at that point it was uh, you know, very confidential in, internal knowledge uh, of this larger lift and shift out of Manhattan. But we needed to get that finished because some of these people were going to be impacted by by this move. Um, and so the, you know, the, if that were a spatial program, it would be look if you're not ready with system A, you can't launch into system B, and it's uh, not always that binary. Uh, sometimes you have to look at the other considerations and other dynamics at play uh, and sometimes make a decision that uh, that may seem reckless to somebody on a project. But you know, if it fits into the bigger picture, uh, you know, you have to balance that risk. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about you know, balancing the priorities and, and trying to mitigate risk and, and get multiple projects delivered uh, appropriately at the same, you know, for the same reasons. 
So, Rob, uh, we spoke about, and Keith gave a good example here. Now, he mentioned ERP upgrade, and ERP, of course, is is very important. It's the backbone for an organization, and such larger projects are few and far between today. Why? Because people are moving into an agile mode, and then they want to get things done yesterday, very, very quick sprints that they are running. Do you think we have the luxury to call any project to have a beginning uh, transition and a closure with a defined uh, timeline because every day uh, you are getting to coming together and talking about it, and then you are closing it in a matter of weeks, let alone months or years. Well, let me let me just mention to the to the audience my, my perspective on this is as the business executive, the CEO at the sitting in the CEO seat, where I have a, a, a technology is one of the critical things that is a distinctive competence we have to have in the business. So I'm used to meeting. Uh, managing the uh, chief uh, information officer as one of the people I'm managing for the whole business. And so um, w- what I want to see as the CEO is I want to make sure that the, the CIO and the team understand what's critical for our business. I want to make sure they manage these projects in an orderly way and they don't get discombobulated, so to speak, by all the myriad of requests that are probably coming from business leaders in my in my business who are probably saying, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you? So I want to make sure that we're, that they're not getting overrun by those things and that they're keeping an orderly process and they're, tra- they're prioritizing uh, and we're talking about all this. And the reason is, A, they're exp- these projects are expensive. B, they, they touch everybody and probably every customer. And uh, I, I, you want you want to make sure that the leadership is keeping very orderly and good process and great communication because you know how chaotic it must be to get all the requests that they're getting every day. So that that, that makes to me as a business, as the CEO much more important that they follow these phases of a project and do all these things and don't allow themselves to get buffeted around by uh, by I guess customers or clients. Now, you, you make, bring up a very important point. On one end, they really want this predictability. They want the, to get things done the right way and follow the process and be aware and have the visibility. Come the agile world and the agility that they want in business where they say, I want to introduce this capability no matter weeks or months, and then everything starts from there. So the reaction time. And or the planning time gets compressed beyond anybody's imagination nowadays. And so how do you predictably close or or even ensure success of a project? And let me comment on that. This is where it's very important, the relationship between the CIO and and the leader of the entire business. Sometimes you may have because... Yes, if if the CIO doesn't apprise me or push back sometimes and say, "Hey, Rob, that, that's not realistic," or "I don't think we can meet that timetable," or "I think I think we've got four other priorities you have to prioritize, Rob, on what you want," and you're telling me we don't have any more headcount or budget to increase our capability, you have to make some choices. That that's the kind of debate and dialogue that's going on because the business head is, and I, that was me, is always asking probably for too many things with unrealistic deadlines. And what I really want is a CIO who's going to push back and educate me and say, hey, listen, 
here are the choices you're going to have to make. Or we need to enlarge the size of the department or add more resources or add more headcount. But it's not to just say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, let me go execute this. That, that, that isn't what the CIO ought to do. I couldn't agree more, Rob. Uh, you know, one of the, the mechanisms I found very effective is you know, just classic governance and getting a good uh, business-led IT steering board in place uh, to to help give some of the feedback to the CEO when he's asking for uh, you know, a very long list of uh, unreasonable expectations that that don't carry a budget with them. Uh, you know, so you know, getting a good business dialogue on the things that make sense and the priorities that we're going to pursue. And I'll tell you, this problem is getting worse. I notice in business in general because. So many, um, so many businesses out there and other organizations are trying to uh, create new platforms and leverage technology to improve efficiency and serve customers, and customers are becoming very accustomed to state-of-the-art uh, technology interfaces that I would guess the demands on uh, CIOs today have never been greater uh, and probably unrealistic demands. So the, the, this, I like Keith's idea of the governance board because you, you gotta, you, you know, you've the, the pressures are greater, and the need for communication, and making clear, and making choices, and prioritizing, is uh, is probably never been greater. Especially today, it's it's. I, I think this is, and this problem is likely to get worse, not better. Now, with that said, it's a very interesting thing that you mentioned, Rob. Because Keith, don't you think that with the outside vendors who you are now more dependent on, if you are at all going the cloud way and or the, you know, managed services way, that you already had the management, the other stakeholders, the staff in, internally, and in your traditional command and control structure, perhaps you could have done something to have a better handle on things. But you've got other people that you're dependent on, and not because you want to do always; it's because your business wants then it, it, the closure really becomes literally uh, you pray to God every day and see if it closes well. <laughs> yeah, no, there, you make some very good points there. Uh, you know, one is the, the shift from command and control more into sense and respond. And, and for our organization, we're about 15,000 employees worldwide, and you know, a, a large percentage of our uh, user population are, are engineers, very technical people who uh, – yeah, you know, I probably have 8,000 CIOs in my organization who, uh, you know, want to be leading our technology platform decisions and the direction we're heading. And, you know, it, it's getting easier, uh, to, to, um, you know, go to the cloud and to take a service or, or to, to take an offering that doesn't need to be integrated or supported with our uh, internal capability. Uh, so I think it's very important to, uh, be aware that, you know, that there are options that exist out there, and if you're not being responsive, uh, you know, the, 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 the business is starting to find a, a way around it. So uh, if you were to talk, Rob, coming back to this, uh, you know, the fast world, would you think there would be truly any closure? Because you are literally always on the move. You never finish anything in totality for you to say, got done with it, and now let's move on to something else. Well, it depends what you mean by closure. Tasks and projects must be closed, or else you never do move on. And uh, what you don't want is a whole series of loose ends that are never getting properly wrapped up. So I think, you, I think you've got to have a discipline of, quote-unquote, finishing. And, and if there's some trailing issues to deal with, setting up a mechanism and let's move on. And I think that's more critical today because you could you could expend a lot of resources that you can't afford to spend if projects don't get properly closed, shut down, 
we're finished. And what and the reason things might not get closed is you've got a business leader or business leaders are saying, Oh, could you just make this change? Could you this is great, but could you do this? And finally you just have to sit down and say and, and negotiate an agreement. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. We've got to finish this, and let's move. And I think that's more critical today because, again, the the IT budgets and information budgets are higher. Uh, resources are scarce. You can contract things out, but that costs money. And you got to have a real discipline uh, to, 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 to end things and to move on to new things. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And, uh, Keith, let's look at the balance or the ratio of the type of projects which will actually have a very logical close or a closure you can bring to them versus what you do on a regular basis to keep the IT lights on and, of course, the business lights on. And how do you manage closures in one and maintaining ongoing continuity in the other? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Keith, in, in your mix of things that you handle, of course, there's a lot of operational uh, things that are being done, and also you've got projects. And not everybody who works on a project is going to go to yet another project. They might go back to uh, operations. So what is the switch in mindset that you have to create for these people, one person working with a predictable start, transition, and close, and the other person working on a regular ongoing uh, business? Yeah, it's an age-old debate, of course, and I don't think there's a, a black and white answer to it. You know, some of what I look for are the individual skills. You know, some some guys and folks are just really good at uh, you know, keeping the lights on, uh, driving efficiency, looking for improvements in, in in what we're running, and and just know the ins and outs of, of how to keep things going. Other folks are more innovative. Uh, they're coming in with new ideas and looking at, uh, again, cl- things like cloud offerings and saying, you know, here's an opportunity to leverage some new innovation to, to, to drive a change to our business. So I think a lot of it for me is down to the individual, uh, you know, the personalities and, and the skills that e- each individual brings. Um, you know, you're not going to get that credibility I talked about right at the beginning of the show uh, if you're not 
keeping the lights on. They, you know, first and foremost, your job is to maintain business operations. And, and when when you start uh, having unplanned outages, um, you know that that's where your job gets to be uh, playing defense all the time instead of. Uh, being invited to bring innovation and, and forward-thinking ideas. So you, know, you need to keep the lights on. Uh, if that takes 100% of your effort, then so be it. Uh, you, of course, uh, as CIOs, we hope that isn't 100% of our job because that isn't very exciting. That's, that's not very challenging uh, in most organizations. But you know, first and foremost, keep the lights on, put whatever resource you need uh, with the right skill sets to, to maintain operations, uh, and, and that allows you the, the leeway to get into the more uh, exciting, more innovative, uh, you know, forward-thinking ideas. Uh, with that said, Rob, uh, when we look at the new normal CIO, who's supposed to be a politician, supposed to be a negotiator, a person who understands the whole of the business and everything else but the kitchen sink, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a harder job. And, I, you know, listen, I lived my business career in the financial services business, and now I am a, a senior person at, a, at an educational institution, and both of them have one thing in common. I've seen a trend. The demands on the CIO and the group are much greater. Uh, we're doing far more experiments, new platforms, new ideas. There's more disruption to uh, financial services business models led by technology and even education. Look at online education. It, it all means if, if you're in the CIO job, you've got to really understand the needs of the business because you're going to get approached by, with, by the CEO or the dean or whoever who's going to say, listen, we think we need to do blank and we need to do a big experiment and you're going to need to ramp up for it. And you're going to need to work through very carefully what can be done, what can't be done, uh, and and uh, work through priorities, uh, et cetera. But I've noticed many more sizable, expensive experiments are now being done. In addition, as to Keith was talking about keeping the lights on, there are these breakout experiments because because I, disruption is accelerating, and it's often led by technology in many industries. So, Keith, if you were to look at just a way to summarize and, and find chapters in a playbook for someone to close, and especially in the new normal, how would those chapters have changed for anyone who may be living in the old times, though? Well, I think we touched on it before the break. The first thing that we need to, uh, to recognize is that you know, the CIO's job is no longer about command and control. Uh, so, so being flexible, uh, being able to have that uh, respect with the business, or, or earning that respect with the business, so that you know, in the old days, you used to be able to just you know, sh- shut down a port, or, or stop an IP address, or or use a proxy server to block a website. Um, but you know, that, that's no longer the case. So it's not about just command and control. It's about having the uh, ability to influence the, the senior leaders. Um, and and to to get their buy-in with with the ideas and the innovation you're driving, you know I, I think uh, another chapter is making sure. And again, we've gone right back to the beginning of the of, of the show, uh, making sure that you've laid out the, the business objectives. This is why you're doing a project. Uh, you're not going to be able to close any project unless you're sure what success looks like. Uh, so, you know, for for any of these uh, these initiatives, we need to go 
right back to the beginning and reflect on what, what did we set out to, why did we set out on this journey? What did we expect to accomplish? Put the business case out there, remind everybody what prize was being sought. And, and with a well-delivered project, the rest should really just flow naturally because it all stems from the underpinnings and the justifications that made sense in the beginning. Uh, if, if it made sense in the beginning, chances are it's going to make sense uh, uh, at the end of the project. And it's really just being able to say that's what success looks like and it's time to close the project. So, Rob, one final question. When we have a project coming to a close, and, of course, there is a lot of difficult times, everybody work together to make that all happen. How do you make sure that the environment is created where everything and everyone is appreciated for whatever they did and we learn from the mistakes and then thereafter when these people were to ever be invited to work with you as a leader on another project, they would not detest it? Well, I'm a big believer. Uh, Keith talked earlier about uh, ways you can uh, reinforce people, uh, reward them. But I think uh, one other way uh, in addition, is the CIO needs to go to the CEO, and the CEO of the whole business needs to um, reward and give visibility to the CIO and all the people that worked on this project. There's no, there's if you if you want people to feel valued and wanted and loved and get ready to do the next one, boy, there, there's no better way than in front of the entire firm, not just uh, among their peers, to show how critical this was, what they did, and how it's manifesting itself in the success of the entire business. And so I think it's very important to give visibility firm-wide uh, to people who do this pro- these projects. Couldn't agree more, Rob. And I think it's also important to uh, – you know, from a team perspective, to, to celebrate, not just at the end of the program, but at critical milestones throughout, you know, recognizing the important contributors you know, throughout. Uh, it's human nature to want to be associated with the success. So if the success of a project is closely tied to those who contributed, you'll excite people and, and you'll get them to want to participate in that next big project. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Rob and Keith, for sharing your thoughts about how uh, we can manage closure as leaders. Uh, listeners, if you have any questions or thoughts, send us to views at CIOtalkradio.com. That is views at CIOtalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy.